For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller Landau. My name is Josh Miller, and uh, tonight I am flying solo. Dan Delmar, who is normally co-hosting the show with me, is enjoying vacation. Every now and then, I guess, uh, you have to enjoy vacation. I know, and we'll speak with uh, with Helgi Seetzen from Tandem Launch soon, and uh, hear that he, he can't always take vacation, or at least not, at least not in his earlier life, uh, but when he's uh, reincarnated in Tandem Launch, uh, hopefully a little bit more. And as we do uh, at the beginning of every program, uh, we are going to go through some of the business news of the week. Uh, it's been, uh, as usual, there's, uh, there's always some stuff that, that hits the papers, and, and, uh, and this is the time that we're going to share it with you. So we're going to get right into it uh, before we get to Helge Seetzen of uh, Tandem Launch, uh, who's in studio now. And I'm sure he has a couple of comments on some of the stories that, are, that have uh, hit the papers this week. But let's start uh, with M&M Meat Shops. Uh, people have... People know this name. Uh, it's been around 30 some odd years. Uh, there's one, there's there's locations in many, many uh, municipalities and many neighborhoods. Uh, I don't know how many people use it uh, these days as much, but people are certainly, uh, they want their prepared foods. People are on the go often. But there's an article that uh, that came out in the BNN and the Business News Network that uh, that they're really, they're looking, you know, and as we've discussed on a number of, of programs over the last few weeks, it's the health conscious. It's it's really being being in the forefront of why is the customer coming into the store? Uh, there, there's no question that it's going to be uh, about health and changes and living a little bit longer, putting the right foods uh, into their mouth, into their bodies. And M&M Meat Shops, who have been really working on these prepared foods, these frozen foods, the you know, ready-to-eat, bring-home-and-cook, uh, they're no different. And they recognize that, that there has to be change. Uh, certainly in the, last, uh, in the last year, they've introduced 100 new products, ranging from frozen sushi to fish tacos, something they didn't always do, and not in the last 35 years in any event. Uh, so they're really trying to reach health-conscious consumers. And really what the article is saying is that M&M wants to leverage the, the sticker shock of consumers uh, when they're being faced with shopping for fresh products. And if they can mass, you know, mass produce and buy and, and still create a good, a good food product at the end of the day that people can walk in and purchase, well, then that's, that's where they should be heading. So uh, it's, it's hopefully uh, not too late a revival, not too late a reinvention. There's no doubt that there's an online aspect to it as well, as people can go online and order food uh, and, order, and, and pick up as they go. Uh, I, I think it's something that they've had no choice but to reinvent. Uh, I've known a, a few M&M franchisees over the years and it's been it's been a struggle because it, it's been a, a constant product that hasn't really changed. So for them to reinvent themselves it was an absolute must. I guess we're going to move on to uh, tomorrow is the federal budget. And uh, lots of people have been talking about the federal budget. Uh, certainly uh, CJD and Aaron Rand and all that have been talking about the federal budget and the rumors that are circulating out there about, you know, what is going to happen, what may happen, what are the cuts that that uh, Trudeau and his team and Morneau were talking about. And I'll, I guess I'll mention three of them that, uh, that people are most concerned about. Uh, one of them 
being uh, the, the capital gains exemption, the capital gains uh, inclusion rate, where right now you sell something, uh, you know, you, it's not your house, but you, you sell your business or what have you, and you only pay tax on 50% of it. Well, now that people are thinking maybe it's going to go to 66 and two thirds, maybe it's going to go to the old 75%. So that's really, that, that's one concern. Uh, the, another concern has been the, the access to the small business rate, where Quebec, as we know, in their in a previous budget, said, well, you only have access to small business rate if you have at least three full-time employees. Well, you know, aren't small businesses also about businesses with less than, than four full-time employees? So there was worry that, the, that Canada would follow. And then the another one, which, uh, which kind of uh, affects um, the startup community and the tech community, is the employee stock option plans that are sometimes very attractive uh, as a, certainly as a startup as as to attract talent into your group and they're talking about maybe reducing the benefits and the deductions on that so that that's something that uh, and I'm sure when we talk with Helge later uh, that's something that that they they definitely definitely could hurt the, some of the tech businesses and tech startup uh, now the reality is everybody has these fears everybody has these rumors but I'm not so convinced anything is actually going to go through. If they actually listen to the advice of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance, uh, chances are they'll probably leave a lot of this alone. But I guess we'll find out uh, tomorrow. As we get into this, I, I, I think we, you know, and Helge's been in, in the startup scene and an incubator for quite a number of years. There was an article uh, in the Financial Post, uh, the Salesforce Ventures uh, boss had said, Canada's startup scene is struggling to compete because of funding woes. And he goes on because he says that Canada is just a small market and the, and the startup community just doesn't understand maybe how to pitch and maybe doesn't have the right access to funds. So everything becomes that much smaller and that much less attractive maybe to the big boys south of the border. I guess I, I'm going to turn to Helge and I'm going to ask him, uh, you know, what do you see? You, you've kind of been on both sides of the border. You see it, you travel often. Is, do you find this accurate that Canadian startups just don't necessarily have the right experience level and they maybe think too small? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. The, um, so I, I, I couldn't agree more with the gentleman from, uh, from Salesforce. I've, uh, I've, I've lived in the Silicon Valley. I've obviously lived in Canada and in multiple places. I've, I've done business in Vancouver and Montreal at various time frames over the last uh, 15, almost 20 years. Um, and, and what you see is that really all the numbers just scale down. So whether it's the valuations or the capital commitments or the exit values, all that stuff is roughly two, maybe three X lower at the very least at the beginning. And then that that has a multiplicative effect where if you're, you know, two X lower in all the numbers at the seed stage, that means your, you know, your potential to grow in the next stage gets lower. And so we we really a lot of good things have happened in Canada. There's been a lot of progress in the startup section, but we're still behind the U.S. and a lot of these uh, factors. But hopefully improving as we get, you know, certainly with the U with the U.S. versus Canadian dollar, there's certainly an attraction uh, or a bargain that can be made uh, or had from some of the, 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 the money people, the venture capitalists down south, and maybe that will help gain knowledge from the Canadian uh, startup side. There was another article in the Financial Post, uh, and it was it was about the sharing economy. And there was a, a gentleman that, that from Rover Parking, Grant Bridgen, Bridgden, and he was saying, launch first, ask questions later. Don't be so worried about all the regulation. Don't ignore them, of course, but don't be so worried about 
making it perfect and making sure that everything's getting hit before you start. Launch first, ask questions later. And and leading a, an incubator tandem launch, uh, Helge, what would you say to that statement? Uh, approach it carefully. So that that advice is very true, I find, for markets where the amount of engineering effort to build the first product is low, a website or something like that, so you don't have to make a big upfront investment. Uh, and the impact of failure is low, right? So if you're doing a sharing website for hotel rentals or for you know Airbnb-like stuff, you know by all means, go out, do it, because what's the worst thing that can go wrong? You spend you know, $20,000 a bit of time, you did it, you know, not a big deal. Um, if you're doing something, let's say, in the medical devices space, you know, Tyrannos has tried to do this um, and they got hammered and now the FDA is suing them and there's all sorts of bad things happening. Um, so you want to be careful in judging what, what can go wrong and don't, you know, follow the regulation for the stuff that can be bad. There's no doubt uh, that uh, you know you want you want to get all your ducks in a row, but it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. So it's uh, it's definitely a launch first, ask questions later, but ask some questions first. That was Helke Seetson that you were uh, listening to of Tandem Launch. Uh, we're going to have uh, her his profile right after the break. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by F.L. Fuller-Landau. This is uh, F.L.'s Josh Miller. The voice you're not hearing tonight is Dan Delmar. He is enjoying some vacation time, uh, well-deserved, no doubt. And we are here uh, spending time uh, talking with Tandem Launch, the creator of Tandem Launch, Helge Seetzen. Uh, welcome, Helge, to the program. Again, I know we, we heard some uh, some comments before in the, in the business news of the week, but uh, welcome to the program. And uh, right uh, after the 45 break, uh, the, the discussion we're going to have uh, with uh, Micheline Maillet, who from, from FL Flow Lando, is going to be on some human resource challenges uh, for startups. So that should be interesting. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, again, we welcome Helge Seetzen of Tandem Launch. And Helge, tell us exactly what Tandem Launch is. Uh, thanks, Josh. Pleasure being on the show. Tandem Launch is, at the heart, we are a venture capital fund. We invest uh, half a million dollars into early stage projects to scale them. But the the unique element we have is that we build our own companies. Rather than um, investing in existing businesses, we build and then incubate businesses from scratch uh, based around technologies from universities all over the planet and leading entrepreneurs and technologies really from all over the world that we bring here to Montreal to build new companies. We hear a lot about incubators. We hear a lot about venture capitalists. How do you select the, the the groups and the companies that you work with? What makes it a little bit different than your neighbor at the other end of the block? Uh, we select them very carefully, but the the main distinguishing factor is that, as I mentioned, we really build companies from nothing. So to give you a practical example, we will find uh, technologies at, at Caltech or Stanford or, or even exotic places like King Abdullah, University of Science and Technology at Rihat, Saudi Arabia. Um, we find interesting tech. We then find entrepreneurs who have the skill set, both from a technical and business perspective, to maybe lead those companies bring those things together. So really synthetically assemble companies. Uh, and that is something that's that's quite unique. I don't know of anybody else, certainly not nobody in Quebec and possibly nobody in Canada that does the same thing. So you're working really closely with the universities. So they, they've already started some of these projects. They've vetted some of these, these I guess, proprietary aspects. 
Yes. So in general, they have done underlying research to validate the science and make sure that this stuff works, at least at the theoretical level, uh, maybe build some prototypes. And we can then help them take it to the next level. We can take that sort of scientific paper or that first invention and turn it into a commercial product that gets distributed to hopefully millions of people. How many universities do you work with? We interact with well over 600 universities across the globe. We probably sign 50 to 60 uh, transfer deals per year with universities, again, all over, um, that we then funnel into maybe a dozen companies or so. When you first started Tandem Launch, how long ago did you start Tandem Launch? Six years ago. When you first started six years ago, did you already have some universities on board? Was this part of your original plan? Yes. So while Tandem Launch is is in quotation mark only six years old, making us actually one of the oldest accelerators or incubators in in Canada in many ways, um, I had done this for the last almost 20 years. I've built technology companies out of university uh, intellectual property for since 1999. Um, And uh, so I done deals with more than a dozen universities before that. And that obviously was sort of the seed package for Tandem Launch. Uh, The first guys I would call up would be the guys I've done business with beforehand. And I know you're dealing with universities, but there's another aspect because the products got to be has to be supported by by manufacturers and 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 sometimes the OEM. So when we come back from the break, we'll hear about how you kind of blend the OEM and the university to create this product that incubates within Tandem Launch. You're listening to Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 800. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. Uh, We are here sitting with Helge Sietzen of Tandem Launch. And before we left, we were talking that Tandem Launch, uh, a company that's incubator, it, it really gets uh, gets new companies off the ground, uh, certainly provides a lot of resources, and works with a lot of uh, universities and the, the products and, and prototypes that they're developing. But naturally, I know there's another side to it. I know there's an OEM, an original equipment manufacturer, that also helps kind of reduce your risk. Maybe you can explain to us how that works. That's absolutely correct. The um, So the good news is universities have a lot of uh, cool technology. They do wonderful things. But to give you a sense of scale, so last year we got 5,800 technologies uh, submitted to us from universities, of which we can fund maybe a handful, maybe two handfuls. So clearly we need to have a mechanism to evaluate what's good or what, not necessarily what's good, but what's appropriate for us from an investment perspective. And we do some of this in-house, but a lot of it we do in partnership with large consumer electronics companies. So... These are the companies that you would find in your average Best Buy, you know, Samsung, Apple, Toshiba, Panasonic, those kind of companies. Um, And we work with a lot of them to narrow down what they see as the next major trends and then how those technologies could flow into those opportunities, how we could match make a great market opportunity with a multi-billion dollar impact with a great technology or set of technologies that might actually solve a real world problem. How often do you do you meet with them? Like, how often do you bring them in? Do you bring them early stage? Like, when you're when you're vetting the university and the product, do you automatically have an OEM in mind and and put them together real quick? Yes. So this is it's a bit of a continuous process because um, at we we incubate companies continuously. So at any given point in time, if you walk into our facility, you will see some really early stage concepts that are just in its infancy. You will see some established kind of early businesses with maybe 10, 15 people that are building their first product. And then, you know, you will see some of our older companies that are 50 to 100 people, you know, building, you know, making millions of dollars of revenue and so forth. 
And the OEMs, our partners, come usually every one comes once per quarter. And so they always see some of the young ones to validate. They see some of the mid-stage ones to encourage them and work them on design. And they obviously do business with the old ones. Now, you have to get to these companies. You have to, I mean, these companies, the, the Samsungs, the Panasonics of the world, you know, have to look at you and say, okay, tandem launcher in Montreal, you got to be worth looking at. What's your background? How, do, how are you able to get to these, these big rollers? I've basically spent my whole life in this field. So I uh, started my uh, first tech company. I founded it out of, uh, in my undergrad uh, at, at UBC in Vancouver. I built uh, an electronic paper display company that worked with a number of these large OEMs. I then started another company doing what ultimately became my PhD um, to um, that, that licensed and worked with another dozen or so large OEMs. I then sold that company to Dolby Laboratories, uh, which in turn licenses to hundreds of major OEMs and consumer electronics companies. So I've, I've spent pretty much my, my whole adult life uh, doing business with these companies, and that obviously helps. The other thing that helps is basically that we have built a, a great portfolio of 14 awesome companies that actually do business with these players. And so they, they look forward to seeing the next young ones because they like the old ones. And I get, I guess you know we we always talk on the show about relationships with your suppliers, relationships with your partners. Uh, how important is that to you? And and what do you do to maintain those relationships? Is it just finding the the right match with the right product? Do you do you spend more time? Is there anything that you can maybe share with us? First of all, you're absolutely right. It's to, it's critically important that you have those relationships. Uh, they provide so much leverage. Um, and the way to maintain them ultimately, I mean, you you know, you do a bit of mining and dining and those kind of things, but ultimately it's about delivering value that makes other people successful, right? I give you an explicit example. So the the project manager that was the the Samsung sort of project manager on a joint development I did in my second company with with Samsung um, is now the uh, the president of Samsung Electronics, uh, and. Um, he built his career in part on that joint project. That joint project was to develop what what is now called LED TV, which Samsung is the largest display maker on the planet. They are the introducer of LED TV. That's our technology. That was that startup's technology, um, and that's that forms long term bonds. And there's no doubt there's a lot of intellectual property, and and that plays a big part of it. So when we when we come back after the news break, we'll chat more. We're talking with Helge Seetzen of Tandem Launch, and uh, more with that story coming up soon. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Uh, my name is Josh Miller from FL Montreal, Dan Delmar on vacation uh, tonight, so we're hope we're wishing him well. Later on in the program, we're going to have Micheline Mayette from uh, FL talking about human resource challenges in startup companies. Uh, and right now we're, we're talking with Helge Seetzen of Tandem Launch. Helge, you, 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 you've been around, you know, Tandem Launch itself has been around five, six years. Uh, you're, you're dealing with some fantastic technology that's coming from universities and working with the OEMs. Can you give us an example of maybe one of the cool products that uh, that's sitting under your roof right now? Certainly. 
I love all my companies equally, but here's some cool ones that maybe the listeners will appreciate. It's funny. My mother says I love my children equally, but yet somehow, <laughs> you know, the one's the favorite. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to give you an example, so we do deep technology companies. Uh, one example would be a, a venture called Sensing Dynamics. The technology comes out of NASA, the Jet Propulsion Lab at Caltech, and it's um, uh, a very simple chemical sensor that could be as simple as a sheet of paper that just has some some material smeared onto it that combined with some very sophisticated machine learning algorithms um, can act as a universal sensor like an electronic nose. So it can smell, uh, it can sense really anything from, uh, you know, not just when you breathe on it, if you drink alcohol or not, but what if, you, if you drank scotch versus vodka, it can tell if there's pollen in the air, it can tell if... Um, yeah, what your blood glucose level is by just breathing on it. It can tell um, if you know this food is fresh versus this food isn't, and so forth. So, and all of the same exact same disposable simple sensors. So it paves the way for a generalized uh, smell or sensing solution uh, for all applications of a single sensor and just a lot of software in the cloud. Uh, super cool stuff. Now that naturally leads to the question of intellectual property and you know protecting though. The IP protecting the, the the knowledge and and the patents. What do you do for that? How do you ensure that that happens? Obviously, intellectual property is key to what we do. Um, in this particular example, the uh, the originator, the Jet Propulsion Lab at, at Caltech and NASA, they've spent about fifteen years in research on this technology. It's actually used in the International Space Station. It's up there in in, in orbit right now. Um, the they so they have a broad portfolio of technology that we inherit that our startup inherits when we do this partnership deal with NASA. Uh, in addition, we've uh, filed uh, usually a broad range of patents, more around the engineering development, uh, and that's what we do in house uh, to protect sort of the product implementations, the ideas around the system level design, which is not necessarily something that the researchers will have worried about, but is quite critical for commercialization. Now you have these various companies in the tandem launch family. That's sitting under your roof. That they're they're not independent companies yet. They're they're kind of they're really part of Tandem Launch. What is the relationship of the inventor with Tandem Launch, the investor? How does that work in your company? So ultimately, our job is to bring great people and great technologies together. So our job definitely is not to run these companies or or to we we don't have any aspiration to do so. Our job is to build great teams that do that. Now, early on, those teams don't exist yet. So our job very much is to find the technology, to find the market, to find the first entrepreneurs, bring them together and start that initiation. And of course, organically, sometimes it's the entrepreneur that has the spark of wisdom that creates the business plan, and sometimes it's us and so forth. But early on, our job is this formation of the idea. Um, and then we gradually become more and more hands-off. So if early, you know, after that, we will still provide a lot of close advice. They will still be in our building and we help them find their footing. We invest that half million dollars to get them running. Uh, and then once they raise a few more millions of follow-on financing, they will find their own offices in Montreal and we become more and more advisors to them. We're, we're talking with Helge Seetson of Tandem Launch. Uh, Helge, inventors aren't always entrepreneurs. They aren't always business people. Is that what you find? Is there is there a gap that you kind of have to, or you feel you have to bridge? Very much, and this is in part why we exist, because we can disintermediate the two pieces. So normally when you're an inventor at a university and you want to build a startup around your technology, it has to be pretty much you that go and raises money from venture capitalists. And often those inventors don't want to do that, or they're professors that don't have an interest in it, or they're not skilled at it, or they don't have the sales skills. 
So what, what our model allows us to do is, for example, the inventor of this chemical sensor, uh, Margie at, uh, at, at NASA, um, uh, Marja Homer, um, she uh, you know, really is not involved in the commercialization. She invented it. She came up with this. And we built a new team of entrepreneurial technologists and uh, business leaders who are actually carrying this forward. They work very closely with her. Um, and the whole team at NASA, but it's really them that tackle the business challenges and NASA tackles the scientific challenges. Do you ever find yourself in conflict sometimes with the inventor and, and the resources and, and like, how do you, how do you work out those conflicts? Of course, there's always going to be some, you know, issues. We're all human beings. We work with dozens of people and hundreds of people really. Um, ultimately, you just try to make sure that structurally the interests are aligned. Uh, we, um, we are VC fund without a management fee, which means we don't make money of our investors or of our entrepreneurs. We make money only when there's return on our investment. Uh, so, so ultimately, while people may agree with what I say or what I believe or my theories, uh, you know, they at some level all understand that we all win together and lose together. Um, so that's the base condition, and then you just try to reason with people. Right? And generally, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to select entrepreneurs and leaders who are smart but also very strong, rational people, um, and usually things sort of sort themselves out. At the beginning of the program, we were talking about how Canada is uh, maybe uh, a little bit behind uh, the, the times and, and certainly the investors and the, the knowledge and all that. How do you find the investors' knowledge? Is it easy for you to, to find investors to bring into, into your VC program? VC being venture capitalists. Yeah. Yes and no. So we've been very fortunate that we've been able to assemble and build a very supportive network of investors, some very strong people from from Canada, but also internationally. Uh, we have a very international outlook into what we do. Uh, the The main challenge, though, for Canada is that startups is generational. So what we're starting to have is the first wave of entrepreneurs that have really built decent, good, strong tech companies that are starting to do this. But there aren't a lot of investors yet that have that experience. I um, This morning, actually, was I was talking to somebody uh, who is a seasoned um, uh, entrepreneur in the game space from Finland, and, and she moved to Montreal. And she said, oh, you know, gaming is a really strong sector in Montreal. This is great. And then after digging a bit, she was telling me what she realized is that while we have a lot of game studios, we really don't have a lot of people who have actually built those gaming companies. Mm-hmm. You know, Ubisoft is a branch office of the headquartered in France. Uh, most of our companies, you know, that are here, somebody else created them somewhere else. So there aren't a lot of people that actually are the entrepreneurs having built those studios. Is that why you have very much an international focus of your business between the universities and the OEMs and, and the investors? Uh, was that when you first started, was it on an international base to begin with? Absolutely. We've always been highly international in all aspects, where the people come from, the technologists come from, the, the markets come from. You said it at the very beginning, Canada is too small a market to spend much energy here. Um, now, of course, you know, the companies are here and the jobs are created here and the, you know, all the wonderful things happen here. Um, what, what you want is you leverage the global economy for the local benefit, uh, not the other way around. You, you don't try to you know, build local businesses if you're in the startup world. It's too competitive for that. And and the team that surrounds you is absolutely important. Just before we, we have to break for traffic, just quickly, your your thoughts on, on talent in Montreal and finding the right people. There are great people in Montreal. Montreal has great engineering schools. There's great technical talent. Um, entrepreneurial leaders are a bit harder to find just because we haven't had that many successes. Right? We, we haven't had that many billion-dollar startups that have spawned off great executives. And obviously, you can find them. We found many of our great CEOs and our great executives are from here. But I would say about, 
half, if not more, are from, from abroad that we bring in from abroad. Excellent. Thank you. We're talking with Helge Seetson of Tandem Launch. And uh, coming up after the break, we're going to be speak, we're going to bring in Micheline Mayette into the conversation. She is a HR director at FL Fuller Landau. Uh, our Helge's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up uh, later in the program. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Uh, Josh Miller from FL here uh, with Helge Seetson of Tandem Launch, and we're bringing into the conversation Micheline Mayette, our human resource director. And since the topic has been incubator company and startups, we figure, you know, what better topic to start with dealing with some human re- human resource challenges when it comes into the when you're starting a company? Yeah. So Michelin, uh, and I know that every every company has its challenges, but and certainly starting, you know, it's it's one thing when you're existing for 20, 30 years trying to maintain a culture. At the very beginning, when you're first hiring your people, there's also got to be some challenges that entrepreneurs have to keep in mind. What yeah. what, what would you say are maybe some of the first few things? Well, like we were saying a little bit earlier, you know, you end up with HR issues kind of once you hire your first employee, then you have a an human resource, I guess, that you have uh, on board. But obviously, the bigger the company gets, the more that they have to spend more time looking at their HR. So I would say, you know, at the very beginning, obviously, it's hiring, you know, these employees and getting them on board. So depending, um, you know, there can be attraction issues, uh, retention issues. Obviously, there's pluses and minuses to joining a startup. Some kind of, like you have to find the right fit. Really, you want somebody who is going to thrive in that more entrepreneurial environment. Do you find that when you're first starting a company, people tend, or I guess the, the entrepreneur want needs to hire for skills because they need to get stuff done, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a little bit less on character and attitude at the, at the very outset, anyways. Possibly, but I I would say the fit is very, very important. I mean, like you're relying, you don't have 100 employees to rely on, you have a few. So, you know, you want to make sure that they're there to back you up. They, you know, they see your vision, they're on board with you. I'd say it's even more important. Everybody's, every person is is extremely valuable at that stage. And, and I'll, you know, I'll turn to Helge and you, you have, you know, you have the tandem launch team under you, but then you have all these, these little mini teams that are all around. Uh, how do you manage, like when you first are putting people together, because that's what you do with the inventor and the entrepreneur and the president, what's your criteria, how you put together for fit, for skill, how do you work it? This is definitely is the toughest part of our whole business model is getting these teams to to form. Uh, some of it happens organically, you know, people just like each other. Uh, but mostly, we try to assemble people with unique skill sets that we need for the business, bring them together, encourage them to form teams, encourage them to gel. Uh, sometimes that went really goes really well. Sometimes it needs a bit more assistance. The what what we found is over the years, we found that the more direct you are, pointing out all the issues the better. Like early on, you know, when we were building our, our our company, we were ourselves a little bit insecure whether, you know, we should tell about all the hard work that's ahead or all the tough things or all the ways things could go wrong. And more and more, every time we've decided, you know, we're going to be a bit more blunt or de- deliberate about it, um, it has turned out to be a positive thing. Like we just, you know, tell people what's happening. When people make that st- the trade-off, whether they want to go into a startup or do a big company, just tell them the good and the bad, just straight up, up front, and then make sure that's true. 
take take the guesswork totally out of it. This way, you don't have to worry about interpretation later on. Thank you. We're we're talking with uh, with Michelin Mayette. Uh, HR, uh, Human Resource Director at FL Fuller Landau. And coming up after the break, we'll chat a little bit more about some human resource issues for startups and, of course, Helge Seetson's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. We're here in studio with Helge Seetzen of Tandem Launch and Michelin Mayette, a human resource director at FL Fuller Landau. And we're talking about startup companies and the challenges of you know hiring and, and the culture. Uh, but startups ultimately you know, go beyond startup and then you kind of grow up and you hit puberty and uh you know so as you're thinking about you know after beyond the first two three four five employees uh maybe what what are some of the things uh, michelin or, or the or maybe the top thing that comes into your mind about what the entrepreneur has to worry about i'd say it's finding the balance between you know what do you, what do you want to keep informal versus what do you need to start formalizing to make sure that you're you know compliant with laws that you're still protected to a certain extent and really finding the balance between the two like for example, you know, I think employment contracts, even in a very early stage, are good. Just to kind of set, um, you know, set the expectations, set, uh, make sure there's an agreement that both parties agree to and everything. Um, yeah, so I'd say that's one thing. There's, you know, there's a lot of companies that, that don't have a policy manual mm-hmm. and a lot of companies that do. And, yeah. you know, there's that fine line of when you should implement it. And, and I know there's no magic number, uh, but... Is when you when you're looking at uh, at some of the clients that you've dealt with, do you find that there's kind of a, a meeting point or kind of the where the leader has to say, you know what, there's there's too many what ifs. We maybe got to mm-hmm. put something down in black and white. Yeah, for sure. I mean, once you hear grumblings, once you know the managers are feeling they're not sure how to answer certain questions or they feel they're not answering it the same way each time. Uh, for me, policies. It's really, you know, it sounds very formal. It sounds very corporate, but it doesn't have to be so so corporate and so detailed you know it, it could just be general guidelines to follow you know just to give um you know a baseline that, that people kind of know where they stand and know how to uh, respond in different situations do you find and and i don't know if i re- i don't want to go down this path to have this whole discussion but do you find different generations respond to different tactics you know Helge earlier was saying we're very direct mm-hmm. uh do you find that that applies more to a different generation versus uh, another one that can deal with a little bit of the ambiguity, a little bit of the give and take? I find in general directness works. I mean, as long as it's done in a respectful way, obviously, but I find telling people where they stand and what to expect, I find it, it's the best approach in any case. And uh, and no doubt, listen, every, every company is different uh, and every leader is different, so everybody will have to take their own path. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. Michelin. Uh, I know there's, uh, there's always uh, lots on the human resource front. Mm-hmm. As we said, at the moment you have one one team member, one employee, you have a human resource issue. So now as we do every week, we come to the last moment of the program. We'll turn to Helge Seetson of Tandem Launch and ask you, Helge, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Create events. Uh, good entrepreneurs figure out every day, every week, every month how they can create an event, make something happen for the company. Don't let the world dictate your agenda. Uh, figure out how to create actions that have impact. Excellent. Thank you. I, I think that's I think that entrepreneurs don't always 
think about that event and that today. They focus so much on their business and their product and their service that they sometimes forget the environment around them. So absolutely great advice. My one little takeaway is that, uh, and I know we talk about this often, is I know companies are in Montreal, but you got to think international. You always think way beyond your borders. That's really where success will come about. Thank you very much, Helge, for joining us. Micheline Mayette, thank you for being in studio as well. Uh, you've been listening to Today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Fuller Landau. We are not here next week. We are back in two weeks on April 4th. So uh, please stay tuned then. Thank you very much. <laughs>